Hey, good afternoon. Thursday afternoon preview day here on Power Mizzou Live, powermizzou.com. I'm Gabe DeArmond. We'll bring Gerard Hamilton and Anthony Dasher, who covers the Georgia Bulldogs, into the conversation in just a minute. This is the show every week we break down the opponent, and we've only been doing that for like 13 days here because Missouri didn't play last week, uh, so we've had a long time to talk about this one. Going to uh, bring everybody else into the show. There's Gerard. Down there is Anthony Dasher on his way to uh, do Georgia basketball interviews because, hey, it's November. Everybody in Georgia is fired up about basketball, right, Dash? That's how oh, no works. doubt. Yeah, I may be one of only two or three people there today, but hey, <laughs> doing my job. All right. So, uh, hey, if you guys got comments, questions, anything you <clears> want to know about Georgia, throw them in the, the queue. We'll get to them. Uh, keep Dash for about 20 minutes here before he's got to go do other stuff. So, first things first, man. The impression of this Georgia team from the outside is maybe it's not quite at the level of the last two. Is is that fair? Like, they're still clearly a top one, three, five team, whatever. But is there a half step back from the last couple? Maybe a tick. I mean, I think the biggest thing you look at this year's Georgia team compared to the last two, you look at all the guys that Georgia's lost to the NFL, a lot of, you know, high impact type players you know there's really you know not a ton of those guys on on this year's team and again that's not to take away from how, how you know all, all these are quality SEC guys but there's no Jalen Carter there's no Nolan Smith I mean, for as much uh you know criticism as Stetson Bennett received over his career the guy did lead Georgia to back-to-back national you know championships so there's a lot of guys on this year's team that you know I think in a lot of people's minds outside of the state of Georgia are still kind of having to prove themselves a little bit. And I think that's been the biggest uh, biggest difference, I think. But overall, you look at the stats, they're not too far off from where they you know, have been the last two seasons, especially on the de- defensive side, which I got to admit, that kind of maybe surprised me just a little bit because, again, they lost a ton of guys off that defense this last two, last two seasons, but they're still playing pretty good ball. Uh, Anthony, I want to ask about as far as just like what is the – what is Georgia's – I guess main motivation. They're, they're, they've got plenty of motiv- motivation. Last year, the game was probably much closer than they expected. They just got ranked number two in the CFP pool. Like, I mean, there's a number of things that they could be angry about. You know, do, do you feel like they're harboring some bad feelings in this game, or is it business as usual? So, I think it's business as usual, I and mean, I'm sure Kirby will use you know last year's game as a, a reminder that hey, you know, look what can happen. You know, if you're not ready to play your your best game. But uh, but otherwise, no. I mean, they they it's, it's boring for reporters to hear, but they treat every single game exactly the same way. It doesn't matter if it's uh, Eastern Kentucky, Middle Tennessee, or whoever. If it's Missouri, Oklahoma, or or Ohio State, they go into each and every practice, each and every week, preparing to to play the same game. Their biggest opponent, Georgia's biggest opponent, is Georgia. And uh, when Georgia is a, uh, you know uses that as their criteria, they usually play, wind up playing pretty well. Along those lines, look, you can only play who you play. I mean, the schedule is what it says it is, and it's why week eight rankings are kind of stupid, right? Uh, Michigan will have a chance to prove itself. Georgia's got probably its three toughest games of the year in the next three weeks. Is this – do people in Georgia believe that this is the best team Georgia's played so far? Uh. That's a good question. Um, actually, I think yeah, the answer will probably be be yes. Just come, just the way that things have kind of kind of played out. 
I know there was some concern last week uh, uh, about Florida, but that was ended pretty pretty quickly, and uh, it wound up being uh, just another one of those, uh, you know, games. But, yeah, considering how the season is going, yeah, I think probably uh, Missouri is the best team now. You ask me that question next week, and maybe old people think Ole Miss is the best team, then Tennessee after right. that. So, But it's definitely a very difficult stretch for Georgia coming up. And for all the, you know, criticism the Bulldogs have gotten about the schedule, even though a lot of people forget they were supposed to play Oklahoma week two of this season, but that game was pulled by the SEC and they had to scramble the last minute to schedule Ball State. So, but they will definitely have a chance, uh, you know, this this next month, these next three weeks to to prove, you know, that, hey, this team is a legitimate national champion, uh, you know, contender. For eight games, I mean, really, most games, even if you add in the, the Alabamas and Ohio States, for most of the games, Georgia has – more of the favorable positional matchups. Mm-hmm. Is there even just one matchup in this game where they're just like, maybe Missouri is, you know, better than them, or there it's like it's more neck and neck than usual because usually it's just Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. Is there anything for Missouri? I think it's more about who Missouri's got on their team, and I think Luther Burton is a huge concern for Georgia, especially. You know, people ask me all the time, what's Georgia's weaknesses? What 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 can other teams do to take advantage of? You know, of the Bulldogs, and we saw we saw last year Ohio State, you know what they did with Marvin Harrison had a lot of success. Uh, you know, Burden, in my opinion, is, is 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 not too many steps off from Harrison. He may he may actually be his equal in many regards. And Georgia has given up some big plays on slants, uh, that sort of thing. I know that's how Missouri likes likes to use uh use use him. So uh, that's probably an area they're probably got the biggest biggest concern. I don't think it's mo- anything necessarily about the, you know, just the, you know. The schemes or anything like that's just who Missouri has that they're really worried about. Got a question from one of our regular viewers, uh, Freeway Jared wants to know Carson Beck hasn't been pressured a lot this year. When he is pressured, how does he deal with it? Um, you know, Blake Baker blitzes a lot. I think everybody agrees the reason Missouri stayed in that game last year was their defensive line it kind of beat up Georgia's offensive line, which none of us sure. saw coming. So if Missouri can get to him, has Beck had to deal with it much this year? He's been blitzed a decent amount. I wish I had the number with me. Uh, should have should have my man uh, Brent Rollins on here. He has uh, had a stat about that about about a success rate against the blitz, and it was pretty good. I mean, Carson doesn't hold the ball very long. I mean, he he knows where to go with the football, and uh, and hasn't been sacked a ton of times, and that's been part of the reason you see uh, you know Georgia's uh, pass pro is ranked one of the best in the conference right now, and and that and again they've got a pretty you know pretty good offensive line once again this season, but. You know, when he has uh, had uh, to, to get rid of, been under pressure, he's, he's made some plays. Would you agree that was kind of the, the reason Missouri hung around last year? I mean, I thought in the second, third quarter a little bit last year, Stetson played like he was seeing ghosts a little bit. Oh, yeah. he, he looked a little bit like he wasn't sure where the pressure was going to come from. Then the fourth quarter, they settled down and ran the football. Yeah, Missouri showed some exotic looks last year, and that's one another concern I think that Kirby Smart has for this game because he knows he's going to get some different things uh, – from the Tiger Tiger D this uh, you know this weekend and and yeah last last year there's no question I think the line of scrimmage at least the first half anyway Missouri you know controlled that ball game and it wasn't until the fourth quarter and Georgia finally got their running game going with Dejon Edwards uh, that they were to have some success and hopefully win that football game but uh, I'm, I guarantee that's another you know a huge point of uh, been a huge point of contention for Coach Smart this year and his coaches and they'll you know they'll need to be ready for that once again. Who would you consider obviously not maybe one of the top guys but is there a an X factor uh, team or, I mean, not a team, but a player or something they need to really do well to win this game that you're like, if they don't do this or this person doesn't have a good game, 
maybe it's not such a good day for Georgia? Well, um, if you asked me that uh, last week, I might have said Brock Bowers because a lot of <laughs> question last week, man, what was Georgia going to do offensively without you know Bowers? Uh, what players were going to step up? Or what, did, did they have any anybody else that can kind of take away some of those? Uh, can still do rather some of the same things that Brock did. And, and last week we saw that answer. You know, was yes. I mean, Georgia's still a very deep offensive team. Uh, if my math is correct. You no, know, Carson completed passes to nine different receivers last year, and, and none of those were named. Uh, no, Brock Bowers. I know you guys talked about you know, Lad McConkey earlier this week. Uh, Lad's finally 100. You know, I, I won't say 100. That's probably not the correct thing to say because he's been dealing with a back issue, you know, pretty much the entire year. But they've got guys like you know Lad McConkey. Y'all know Don Black and Don. He called Don Lovick, Don Blaylock, the Don Blaylock play for the for the Bulldogs last three years. But 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 Dom has, has played a very big role. And all the receivers not named uh, Brock Bowers. He's got the most catches, you know, for the team right now. Uh, Rob Rob Thomas, who came over from Mississippi State, uh, has had a good season, a very physical receiver. And Arian Smith, who you guys may remember if you watched the semifinal game against Ohio State, had that, had that wide open touchdown catch, uh, from, from Stetson. So they've got a lot of guys they can still go to, and their backfields get a little bit more healthy. I mean, Kendall Milton has been banged up for a lot of the year, he's been doing a good job, you know, backing up, backing up Deshaun. They've got a freshman, Rod Robinson, who is his back now after, uh, suffering a high ankle sprain. So they've got a lot of different weapons. And, and the guy who's replacing the, you know, Brock, uh, you know, Oscar, Oscar Delp, sophomore tight end, the former high four-star kid who uh, played very well last week. So there's still no shortage of a uh, of weapons. So I don't, so no, I don't, I don't know if I've, I've got, I really can sit here and say that this guy has to have a good game because they've got so many other options. It, this is a little different with Georgia. I think most of the talk this year has been about the offense. The last few years, it's just been, Will they have 11 NFL players on the defense? And is this the best defense in in, in college football history and whatever? Um, I, look, I, I don't know if they have individually, like you said, a Jalen Carter or a Nolan Smith that everybody looks at and says this is a top 10 pick. Mm-hmm. But as a unit, how's this compare to the last, you know, couple elite Georgia defenses? As a unit, I think they they can, you know, compare, you know, very favorably. Again, look, just look at the numbers. From, from the past past three seasons. You, and you won't see this uh, this team is giving up just a few more points per game, a few more, you know, 10, 20, 30 more yards per game. That, that's really about it. Again, don't don't get me wrong. Georgia's got some very good players on defense. It's just not right. anybody on there right now who you say, oh, this is going to be a top five pick like a Jalen Carter. And, and we all see the job he's doing over the Eagles right now. But they've got some very good guys. Those guard, uh, their stack have been playing very well. Michael Williams, uh, very capable in the in the backfield. They've got a very experienced, uh, you know, secondary. Tyke Smith at star and Malachi Starks is a preseason, uh, you know, all SEC. Some think he might be an All American, you know, this year. Kamari Laster is, is a, in his second year as a starter at cornerback. So they've got some very good experience at the, uh, all the different positions, but just none who, you know, who uh, I would play as a top top ten, top fifteen pick. They've got a lot of guys. They you know once the draft is all said and done, they're going to get picked. So what Anthony is saying, like Georgia has somewhat of a normal team this year that isn't loaded with yeah, <laughs> just a, a, a boatload of first rounders. Why they recruit? And you look and again. I, I hate to put so much emphasis on on recruiting rankings. Sometimes those things are right. Sometimes they're wrong. But again, you look at all the, the players that Georgia has. The other teams, other top you know FBS programs have been after. Georgia gets more than their share, and as we all know, it all starts with the Jimmys and Joes, and Georgia has a lot of them. All right. Um, the last thing I, I've got for you is red zone defense. Drink kind of – he joked about it earlier this week, like that's yeah. maybe the one thing George is not good at, and it's not because 
they're just bad. They don't get as many opportunities. It's only 17 on the yeah. year. They're allowed 88%. How do you feel about the red zone defense? Are they that bad, or is it just like they don't let nobody there, so we don't know? Well, that's a big thing. Like I said, that Mohead's team's only been in the red zone 17 times, but you take that. And also, Georgia's third down success rate on offense has been been the best in the league, you know, as well. Uh, so you take those two, and so, you know, you're, you're prone to have a lot of success. But, yeah, opponents have just not gotten inside the red zone you know, too, too many times on the Bulldogs this year. And when they have, Georgia's done a pretty decent job of holding those teams to field goals. All right, I want to finish you up with a couple things, Dash. First off, uh, I said on our, our – uh, show on monday and this is this is appropriate since they're playing in the state of georgia that jim nance always likes to tell us you can't win the masters on thursday but you can lose it my yeah. opinion of this game is missouri cannot win this game in the first quarter on thursday or on saturday they yeah. can absolutely lose this game in the first quarter i mean do you kind of agree with that that like missouri just has to come out and They've got to withstand the the opening. They, they can't get behind this team 17-0 after a quarter. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think they can. They, but something maybe kind of in Missouri's favor, and in some way, you look at the games Georgia's played, there's been three or four times this year where the opponents have gotten off to leads, have gotten off to quick starts, but Georgia's found a way to uh, to respond each and you know each and every time. They have Georgia's defensive coaches are, do a very good job of making in-game adjustments, and we saw that last week against Florida. I think Mertz completed his first nine passes he attempted in that game. That first drive was was textbook. They go down, score a touchdown, but after that, they didn't get jacked. I mean that 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 score, forty three to twenty, was not as close, you know, as that game, as that game, you know, actually was. So Missouri just needs to just needs I think just needs to hang around. Now, I don't, they don't, you know, they, like I said, they can't fall behind. If they do, then that's when Georgia kind of smells blood. They've done that in the games. They've, all the games they've won this year. Uh, but, if, but if the Tigers can hang around, get the game into the second half, and you know, can maybe kind of kind of see what happens. But uh, but yeah, if they fall behind early, that's going to be a that won't, that won't be a good deal. Last thing for you, um, I, I just you've covered. You might be the only person I know who's covered a team for rivals longer than I've covered this team for rivals. So you've got some historical context here for Georgia. Twenty-five in a row and forty-one to forty-two. Everybody knows the numbers. I mean, can you put this in? the history of college football context. Like, I mean, I know Bud Wilkinson won 56 in a row, but there were like 19 teams back then. This is about as good as anything that's ever been done. It's crazy. And I really didn't start thinking about in that kind of context until, until just recently. And really th th this year, uh, I mean, Kirby's only lost four home games since he's been in Athens, got here in 2016. They lost four times at home. And like I said, 25 straight games. Last game they lost in Athens or South Carolina about three years ago, whatever it was been now. But yeah, but you're right. I mean it's really uh quite remarkable. And I never, you know, sitting here right now talking to you guys, I never something I never thought I'd see a Georgia program, you know, go through everybody, you know, looks at Alabama and what the Crimson Tide have uh, you know accomplished under Nick Saban. But but Kirby's got him right up there with him right now. And if they can somehow pull off a three peat, which again has not been done, you know, obviously in the in the the era that we're in right now hasn't been done since in the 30s by minnesota mm -hmm. that would be one of the more incredible accomplishments in college athletics maybe athletics period you know in the past i don't know how many years but it's uh i mean georgia fans are living the highlight high life right now i can uh, you know promise you that but uh you know one day it's going to all, all come to an end i'm just not sure as of right now it's going to be this year or not really not yeah, well, hey, it's all just a preamble to, to Mike White's second season in Athens. I know we got a commitment yesterday from Dominique Wilkins' kids, so big doings uh, down there. Got a five-star last week, too, man. The, the Bulldog hoops are, are trying to make some noise. Finally got some NIO money to play with. <laughs> all right, Dash, appreciate it, man. We'll, uh, we'll see you on Saturday. 
Hey, guys, we'll see you. All right, that is Anthony Dasher, UGASports.com. Those guys over there do a great job of of covering Georgia. And, like, uh, look, I, I don't think it's – the way we talk about this game, the way people that cover Georgia talk about this game, it's not disrespectful to Missouri. I mean, what Georgia is doing is legitimately they are chasing something that has not been done since – the early stages of world war two in college football. Like the last time somebody did something like what George is trying to do army and Navy and Columbia were still really good college football programs. Yeah. He, he really did just put it in perspective this whole week. We've been, I mean, maybe this whole, this last couple of weeks we've been saying, well, George is looking at this game, you know, for, uh, you know, to keep a hold of the sec East. They're looking at this game because of last year's game. But then when Anthony talks and you're just realizing, like, sure, this thing was – there was a pregame scrimmage last year and the game was close, but they're chasing something much bigger than individual week – you know, week 10 game versus a top 15 opponent. They're looking at history and, and taking games one at a time, especially, like, for Missouri, as much as they keep telling us, oh, no, it's it's every other game, it's a little different for those guys than it is for yeah. Georgia playing a, you know, a top 10 team. I'll say this too, though. Like it, we've talked about what Missouri could lose in this game. This is the first time Georgia's playing a game. It can lose something because if Georgia loses this game, then all of that is no longer in their control. They need Missouri to lose again to get that chance back. So that's why like I, I'm not going to say I, I expect I expect both teams to be fired up and excited. I, I have no idea whether both teams will play well, but I fully expect both teams to be up for this game. Yeah, and I'm not saying they won't be. It's just the, the thinking we have is just like all these other storylines. And for Georgia, their main storyline is mm -hmm. we're chasing not only a championship, but a three-peat at that. So it's just a little bit different for them. And, and I, think, I, I think that mm -hmm. kind of can play into – Eli Drinkwitz's favor this week. I don't want to say Missouri's favor, but like, look, I don't think you should really need something going into a game like this to get your team up. I mean, if you can't get up for this game, what are you doing here? But by the same token, this team, like in some circuit, what did we talk about going into South Carolina? Hey, you might have to bring them down a peg, make sure they're not feeling too good about themselves, all that. Well, this week, he can kind of continue that something to prove. Why not us? Nobody really believes in us mantra. And, and again, it doesn't even matter whether it's true. It just, he can use it with his team, right? He can say, Hey, look guys, everybody's talking about, you know, moral victories and can you stay within 16 points and all that? The goal clearly for them is, Hey, why not us? Like, so they've won 41 out of 42. That means somebody beat them, you know? So, so why can't it be you? Yeah, um, it's going to be a tall thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's, I'm not saying yeah. it could be easy. I'm just saying oh, that's yeah, what you sure. sell to them this week. I think, and as much as they, you know, when I talked to Drink on the teleconference yesterday, it kind of basically shot down the CFP ranking, and it's, there's a lot of validity to it. I mean, yeah, it's, it's the first poll in early November. It doesn't mean all that much, but I will say for a team, for this to be their highest ranking ever, coming off the bye week, you know, playing the way they're playing, being 12, I feel like it's giving them a confidence boost. Like I just, there's, there's gotta be, you are the 12th best team. And for a team like Missouri 
and we talk about blue bloods and stuff all the time. This isn't typically you. You know, we're last year and, and even going into this year. We're no, talking nobody about, on this team has been here before. Right. So we, we're usually talking about can they get to seven and five, eight, four is a good season. So they can tell us all they want. It doesn't matter. And I know it does it to a degree, but I know that kind of builds some confidence on like we are here, too. We're actually right. talented and everybody is starting to see that. And hey, that that ranking doesn't matter, but they sure did have a press release ready to go as soon as it was announced, didn't they? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, David Carnell says Missouri's chasing history too, SEC's title, and a t- I, I I agree, and nobody is downplaying that. Right. But that's not three straight. We're just saying it's a different level of history, and and nobody here is insulting Missouri, anything like that. The difference is this is the biggest game Missouri's played in nine years, and Georgia plays three or four games like this every year. That's it, or in recent history. That's all anybody's saying. And it, it's it is not an insult to Missouri's football program to say that they are not Georgia. I, I mean, nobody else is either. Georgia, Gerard, do you agree with me? Georgia has passed Alabama. They're the best program in college football. Yes, yes. And when he was again, when Anthony was talking, I was just thinking like. I'm trying to remember what Georgia was like for me growing up, and I just always feel like they were – they've always been good, but they weren't winning title good when, like, I was younger. So the fact that they – They hadn't won one since 1982. Right. And so the fact that they've, they've won, what, two – they've won two, and they were – Played they were, for three. Yeah, 2018 they, they uh, lost to Bama. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, when when Tua threw the yeah, to Devontae. the game winning pass to uh, Devonte Smith, that was just what three years ago, wasn't it? I thought that was the twenty eighteen something like that. But yeah, the they fact that they, even, they were the fact that they were even in that game at the time was big. Like just playing because people thought they were going to lose to Alabama, and of course they did. But they weren't like that. So for now, he's kind of talking like this is kind of a norm. That's kind of. It's kind of crazy, and I think they have surpassed Alabama. Now, I don't know if it's – I wonder how long that is for, though, because I feel like Alabama has a year like this every now and then where it's, like, not as great, and then next year it's like, oh, we've signed 27 great blue-chip prospects, and now they're back in the same conversation. Yeah, no question. Uh, Fresh TL1 says, if a turnaround is needed like at Kentucky, can it be repeated? You nope. fall down two scores to this team in the nope. first quarter. I, I've got a really hard time seeing how you turn that around. Yeah, um, Kentucky was limited in a in a lot of what they can do, and it was their best thing was running the ball. I remember going in that game; they were seventieth ranked rushing attack, which isn't that great. But Ray Davis is a great running back. He really got it going. Missouri has a really good run defense. They just didn't show up in the first quarter. Then you've seen in the second quarter, they did show up and Kentucky doesn't have a great passing attack. So that was already going to be limited. So once you got all that going, Missouri can stop it. Georgia, they're, they are like, uh, to compare boxing, they're like Floyd Mayweather. He's a great counter puncher. Whatever you want to do, he's got another move for it. Um, so you can't do the same thing you did with Kentucky versus Georgia. Uh, Aiden brings up what I think I've kind of said this earlier this week team that runs the ball well wins. I, I agree because, and here's why because I think I'm relatively confident that Missouri's passing game can move the football again. Not like I'm not saying they're going to put up 40, but I think Missouri can throw the ball. Um, 
I think Georgia can can move it. Like they've got a bunch of receivers. I think they'll they'll be able to throw the football. If either one of these teams gets the ground game going and you're starting to look at a two-pronged attack that can keep the defense off balance, like that I, I think that's the difference in this game. And I don't want to say it's as simple as Cody Schrader versus, you know, Dejan Edwards and Kendall Milton. It's not, it's not just whoever has the most rushing yards wins. But I think the team that can run the ball better early has a. I I like that team. Right. I think it was earlier this week, or it's maybe uh, last week that you said Missouri was able to keep Georgia just honest enough last year. And I think now here's the thing, though: keeping them honest enough this year with this passing attack will help much more than keeping it honest last year with that passing attack. So, but yeah, either way. Whoever can get to start getting the pass game involved or get play and get play action involved, I mean, these are two really good quarterbacks, obviously, all SEC type of guys. They get their pass game going. It's it's, it's game for the other team. It's, it's gonna be hard to get out of that. Uh Jake is asking, will the environment rattle Mizzou Saturday? Look, I, I'll let you take this first. I don't think it should. But I, I and I've got some reasons for that, but but I'll let you go at that one first. Yeah, I was I was telling you before here, and I was I was on the I was on the radio uh, with Chuck Oliver, and I was, I brought this up. He said there was like a lot of veterans on this group, and there is a lot of veterans, so that helps. Um, and some of them being transfers and where they played kind of helps. Like like Josh Landry, he came from from Baylor. I think he was on that Big yeah. Twelve championship team. Uh, Jaden Jernigan was on the Oklahoma State team that played Baylor for that title. Um, you got Joseph Charleston from Clemson. Trevez Johnson has played Georgia in those rivalry games when he was at Florida. They And then just natural veteran experience for someone like a D-Rob who's been playing in the league for a few years. I think that that will be big. I will also say, though, where it may – where the crowd and stuff may uh, be a problem for Missouri, still penalties. If they can get some pre-snap penalties on on Missouri, or that's that's gonna get bad. They can't get yeah. behind that. Play. That's something Missouri has to keep an eye on. But like Brady Cook has played at Georgia, Darius Robinson yeah. played at Georgia, Javon mm-hmm. Foster played at Georgia. The, these guys have played. I mean, you're in the SEC. You play in big time places. You know, Knoxville, Tennessee was not calm and quiet last year when Missouri played there. Um, mm-hmm. So they've played in places with a hundred thousand people and loud noises and things like that. And, and, and I really do think once the game starts, it's football, man. Like, I, I really don't think they're paying a ton of attention to, like, I, I think there could be a moment in pregame warmups where they walk around and look around and go, hey, this is big. And a lot of these people have red shirts on. But I, 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 I don't know. This team has handled everything well enough. If they lose on Saturday, I think it's got far more to do with Georgia just having – just being a better team than it's going to the invite. I don't, I don't think this is a team that's scared or intimidated. And I don't, I don't think they should be. You're right. Pre-game warmups. It may be a thing of, I don't even know if it's about the stadium. It's about the impact of what they're playing for. I think that if anything is just like, all right, we're playing. We'll come out a little tight maybe. Yeah. We're, we're playing the, the back-to-back champs for a game that actually means something not to, we're trying to save our season. And also, Probably for the first time in a very, very long time, Missouri's confidence going into this game is more than a, we've got a puncher's chance. It's mm-hmm. we're going to try to take the fight to you. How that works is to be determined, but they're not just sitting in the corner waiting. 
I, I think there's two ways that whole thing you were just talking about can work. Yeah, there could be, you could come out tight and say, oh man, we're playing with all this stuff on the line and 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 you could be tight. It's It's not out of the question. I also think there's the idea that this is the game you came here to play. Like you came to an SEC school for this chance and nobody really expects much out of you. So just go let it all hang out. And and, and sometimes teams like that play the game of their lives, right? Um, and, and that's frankly what it's going to take for Missouri on Saturday in all likelihood is the best game they've got. Um, but well, I, I do is, want to add something. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. I was going to say, I do want to say something, though. That would be more true to me if Missouri had a couple more losses and they were kind of middling between, are they just going to be a 7-5 and five team or can they go like 9-3 and three or something? But because they actually have everything they want to play for, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily as easy as saying like house money, basically. Like they, I feel like their expectations may have changed a little bit because everything's still in front of you and you are playing in a way for the same stuff that George is playing minus the three people. Their expectations have changed outside the state of Missouri. The expectations for this game are not different. That is nobody true. thinks Missouri is going to win this game. I mean, if you look, nobody's talking about Missouri as a team that has a path to the college football playoff. And the reason nobody's talking about it is they assume Saturday is a loss. Like they're like, why spend time talking about Missouri? Because next week they're not even going to be able to win the East. So, so yeah, when I say that, I'm just talking about the outside <clears> view <throat> of this. Um, right. And, like, you know, my, my frame of reference for this is when I go back to 2007, and I want to be clear, the 2007 Kansas team is that Missouri beat is not as good as this Georgia team. So I'm not saying that. But that was the last – that was one of the last games that I remember that – went into you went into with these huge expectations on both sides and they're playing for everything and that Missouri team now that Missouri team was favored but they came out and played the best half of football I've seen in like I mean they were blowing Kansas off the field on both sides of the ball they let Kansas back in it in the second half but I'm saying sometimes if you come out in a situation like that even if a team hasn't been there sometimes sometimes it's just the right night and and, and that's why they go ahead and and play the games. And I, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I, I'm just saying there are two ways it can possibly go. Um, people asking about the injury report. We'll get it officially tonight. So far as we know, Chad Bailey's the only one in any real question. Yeah. He, Drink said out, then he said questionable. So I feel so, like if we average out, I, I'm just going to say doubtful. I, he, I guess he could, but I'm just go with doubtful. Run through a couple things. I, I think David Fine brings up a good point. I think Brady Cook's legs have to play a big part in this football game. I think he's yeah. got to be a threat to run the ball. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and he said after, I mean, he said a couple weeks ago before the bye that the knee was feeling better. I think it's, and I thought it was something in the past a minute ago with the bye week. He said he's basically as, as fresh as he's been since preseason or fall camp or whatever. So they're probably going to have some design runs. I think they need to have some design runs. Um, I think he's going to he's gonna have to make his reads quick, and then he's going to have to know. I don't think you – sometimes we talk about, like, quarterbacks look and they see someone open. If you see someone open, 
you're kind of sometimes you can be late if you're waiting for them to be open. Sometimes you kind of got to just know that person's going to do what I need to do and make the decisions because if you don't versus this team, you may be in some trouble. And there's got to be some times where Brady's got to go, <clears throat> hey, if I throw incomplete, it's okay. If we go three and out and punt, yeah, eat the football. The like that's not yeah. the worst thing in this game. Yeah. Don't, yeah, don't. Don't force. Don't, don't force. Right. Don't don't try to go hero ball because that's when you get into three and four turnover territory. Um, Jeff yeah. Solomon, I beg of Eli and Kirby, please don't try to one run wide or throw in the flat. Look, I agree with that. Jet sweep. Awesome. Jet sweep. The quick pass to the the flat. No, hand the ball to Cody Schrader. Have him run forward, even if it's only three yards a carry. You're keeping him honest. Slants. Quick passes. I I don't love trying to go laterally against this Georgia defense because I think Missouri's faster than it has been. I don't know that they have the speed to do that on Georgia. You know how I feel about lateral movements, especially in short yardage situation. Run north and south. Um, because even again, if you're only getting three yards carry or you're not even getting the first downs, make them have to work. You know, wear them down, but going north, I'm mean, going east and west. I don't get how that helps you. It, it really, it really doesn't to me. Well, especially I, I think it can, it can work against teams that you can out athlete, even against like a Kansas State that maybe doesn't have great athlete. But when you got dudes running around like on the Georgia defense, I don't think that's where you go. I think that only applies, even if we're talking about Kansas State. Still, a, they're still a good team. There, there's someone yeah. that's always floating around. Not even really them. You may be able to catch them a couple times, but I don't right. think you can do that consistently. You could only really do that to a power five team that's not that good or or below, really. Vandy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can do that on Vandy. Uh Jake's asking, will the DL be able to D line be able to get pressure without the blitz help? Look, if they can. I mean, we talked about that's what Missouri did last year, and that's why it worked. Can they? I don't know. I think they might have to bring some blitzes, but it, it's going to have to be time to well. Well, based off what I was looking at, the so Missouri's offensive line, as we've seen, is better than it was last year. And last year it was winning in the trenches. So if Missouri's offensive line is better this year, and Georgia's defensive line is a little bit worse. And I, I only like using the word worse because it's still a really good defense. Um, that's something they've, they've got to win at. I've got I've actually got Carson Vex's uh, PFF numbers real quick. When he's under pressure, he's 30 of 45. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm wrong thing. He's 14 of 30 on 45 dropbacks for 220 yards, two touchdowns, and a grade of 67.3. That's when he's at his worst. Um, but the fact that it's he's not really pressured that much, he's he's had 240 dropbacks on when he's kept clean, 180 when not blitz, 105 when he's is blitz, but just 45 under pressure. Not many teams get pressure. So, yeah, maybe they have to bring the blitz or something like that. And I think I, it may have been you that said it. I don't know. I, I heard somewhere earlier this week that Carson Beck gets rid of the ball in about 2.2 seconds. So they're Drink. not letting a lot of – it may be – okay, it was Drinkwitz that said that. That makes sense. But uh, I've heard so many things this week. I never remember who says them, so I just say I heard this. Uh, if Mizzou can get to the SEC title game, who, who would you want to see, Ole Miss, LSU, Bama? LSU. I spend the block. I mean, there is there is a, a gaping problem with LSU, and I haven't watched too much of Ole Miss to really know. So to me, in my mind, I was just eliminated because I'm not going to act like I know about them. But LSU was a game they had in hand, and I think if you can tighten some things up, maybe that's something you, you can get back. 
Yeah, my real answer <laughs> is I don't care. I, I don't oh. care. If you're in Atlanta, take your shot at whoever's in there because you're playing for a spot in the playoff. Um, you know, there's upside and downside to all of them. I think LSU is the best team of those three, uh, but they also they've got some vulnerabilities. You can score on them, no question. Um, all right, so uh, I don't know, man. Oh, here's the real question we haven't even addressed. Gerard lands in Atlanta at 8:40 tomorrow night. Is that enough time between landing and a 3:30 kickoff for you to get a rental car? in the Atlanta airport. It's, you I feel like reminded, it's going to be nip and tuck, man. You just reminded me that it was tomorrow. <laughs> like <laughs> tomorrow night, I will be in a dire straight situation. Um, I'm trying to mentally prepare myself that I'm going to be in there multiple hours than I yeah. want to. Um, how how so, long did we, do you remember how long we waited for a rental car last year? I feel like it was about three hours. It was, it was about three and then we had a drive. So, yeah. Uh, it was um, awful. You know, positive thoughts, Kay. Positive thoughts. When when are you? You're coming Saturday morning. Go, I'll be there. I'll be there Saturday morning. And, and here's the thing. Like people are saying, look here for a rental car. No, we have a rental car reserved. We had a rental car reserved. Yeah, that's year. the problem. They just did it was the Seinfeld episode where they're like, No, I, I understand you know how to take the reservation. I just don't think you know how to hold the reservation. And the holding yeah. is really the important part of the reservation. Yeah. Um, these are they're there. They like to promise you things that they do not have after you've already paid or whatever the situation may be or reserved it. We, we have rented 806 cars. The problem is only 11 of them are in the garage right now. <laughs> yeah. And you're and you're number 750 in the queue. So. <laughs> That's that's what I'm. Uh, I don't know. Positive thoughts, Gabe. So, positive yeah. thoughts. So 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 the way the process works is they say we will call out your name when your car is ready. Um, there are no restaurants by the rental car. Uh, we we did hit the vending machine last year. I would just tell you that Hartsfield Jackson is the only airport that can compete with Orlando on a Sunday morning as the place I'd least want to be. No, it's always going to be. Atlanta because just the traffic to get there is that much worse to me. So it's always hey, Atlanta. Andrew Kessel, this feels like a good way to finish. Andrew Kessel has given us a, a nice super chat and basically saying he's paying us to say Missouri is going to win. I mean, I'm I got no problem with that. I'll, yeah, you want to super chat me? Sure, Missouri's going to win. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll double that. They'll win by twenty. All right, now let's be serious. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, yeah. By the way, on. I'm not sure Missouri's going to win. Yeah, yeah. But I was trying to do my, my guy, Andrew, a favor since he did us right. a favor. Absolutely. So, Andrew, absolutely they're going to win. Read Gerard's preview Saturday morning to get our picks to see if we uh, stick to that. So, appreciate it, guys. Thanks for hanging out. Um, Gerard is, like I said, he'll be uh, – in town tomorrow night. I'm going to get there Saturday morning before the game. So we will have full coverage from Athens for you on site. We will find a place somewhere in the Sanford Stadium press box to bring you guys a post-game show. Uh, so, you know, a couple hours, hour and a half after the game ends on Saturday, hang out with us either. Either going to be, it's either going to be the best, most well-attended post-game show we've ever had, or it's just going to be people drowning their sorrows a little bit. And either way, we're going to hang out and we'll do it with you. So uh, thanks for watching, and we will catch you next time.